Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 11. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of their Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seem like nonsense to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Happy Easter, everybody. It's great to be with you all. You guys look so great in your Easter outfits. We can dress up, can we? Look at us. Today marks the changing of seasons as a community. We've been walking through a season called Lent as we have been thinking about what does it mean to discover true soul care. We've been uh, creating more space in our life for reflection, for prayer, for honesty. And I want to say also that it's been just such a meaningful season for me personally. Even on Friday, we celebrated Good Friday with six other churches in the Austin area here in this room. And it was just been a really, really rich season. So thank you for that. But here we are on Easter. And as we enter into this day, we enter into this time, we enter into a new season. And for many people, Easter is not just a day, but it's a season called Eastertide. Did you know that? That Easter is not just a day, but it's a season? I had a similar realization when I got married, uh, that there's some days that also are seasons. I grew up where your birthday was your birthday, and if it was remembered, that was a good birthday. But for other people, including my wife, birthdays are more like seasons, This prolonged unfolding series of long drawn out parties where someone gets to claim their birthday. Has anyone else experienced this phenomenon? (laughs) It should not be called birthday, it's more like birth month. This parade of parties and expectations and gifts and girls night outs and weekend getaways. And I, I still am just grateful to be remembered for a day. I mean, when I grew up, you would be happy to have a birthday party. I mean, it was a good year when my parents would allow me to take a couple friends to Chuck E. Cheese. Have y'all been to Chuck E. Cheese lately? I mean, has it always been that disgusting? It's frightening. You know this was not devised by sober people. It was the 80s, y'all. I mean, come on down to the pizza place that literally has never been cleaned, where our mascot is a rat, named Chuck, (laughs) and if you're lucky, 
Yeah, there's nothing frightening about that. And if you're lucky, your, your meal will be interrupted by frightening robotic rodents who serenade you while you eat your rat pizza. And after that, you take the $40 your parents gave you and you spend it by hitting moles with mallets and you can take the 20,000 tickets that you've like worked so hard to earn and you walk up to that, you know, that, that countertop, you look at all the stuffed animals and Nerf guns and you think with your 20,000 tickets, you're gonna get something great. But what do you get? You get a measly army man with a parachute that doesn't work and a couple stupid erasers. Like, happy birthday, you know? Happy birthday. Maybe next year you'll have better luck on your birthday. So what are we talking about? Uh, Easter, back to Easter. (laughs) Easter for many is not just a day, but it's a season. It's prolonged season, and I think there's real wisdom to it. The actual season of Easter tides longer than Lent. There's reasons why we do this. Because for 40 days, we walk through Lent, we embrace our limitations, we were honest, we repented, we prayed, we fasted, but we get here on Easter, we bust out our pastels, we encourage our kids to have competition through egg, these, these eggs, we say he is risen, we take a picture of the flowered cross, and we just move on with the rest of our life. But we as a people, we need to linger at Easter for a season and consider how that empty tomb It changes everything. I think especially for this day and age, we should linger at Easter. When I think about my past and my own religious upbringing, we talked often about the empty tomb. We talked often about Easter. We kind of lived in the shadow of Easter. We talked about our triumphant Savior who beat the power of sin and death, and that was the dominant message for much, much of my upbringing. But I think today feels different. Today feels different. I think many ways we don't live as much in the shadow of the empty tomb as much as we live in the shadow of the cross and many crosses in our day. We are keenly aware of the power of death and division that's alive in this world. We know well what sorrow and despair feels like as a people. Through the attention that we give to the news cycle and the media that highlights all of the atrocities throughout the world at all times, we live in the shadow of the cross. The lingering presence of racism and patriarchy, the continual parade of mass shootings that seem to take the most innocent of lives, we live in the shadow of the cross. Through the use of policies that target marginalized and vulnerable minorities, we live in the shadow of the cross. The pain of loss that is so common to many of us. The pain of division that we experience, of social division, the loss of relationship. We as a people live in the shadow of the cross and the darkness of this world is familiar to us. Therefore, what should we do to combat that? Well, friends, we linger in Easter. So that's what the vine is going to do. Over the next eight weeks, we're going to use the themes and artwork of this individual, this artist named Scott Erickson. uh, And he created the series called Stations of the Resurrection. Uh, For those who grew up Catholic or have been in Catholic churches, you will know that in many of uh, Catholic churches, there'll be stations of the cross where you can see Jesus in specific moments of his journey with the cross. What this series is going to do is we're going to have very something, something similar. We're going to have stations of the resurrection where we slowly consider 
how Jesus' resurrected power interrupted people's hopelessness and despair. We're going to slow down and look at each of these moments and consider how those messages have something to speak to us. Today's station comes from Luke 24. We just heard it read. In this moment, we found the women at Jesus' tomb. I think it's worth pointing out who are the likely co-conspirators on the Easter story. In all four Gospels, the story is the same. It begins with women. This is despite the belief in ancient Judaism that women were not trustworthy witnesses. Here's even a quote from first century, this uh, leader named Josephus. He was reporting on the law of Moses, and he wrote this. He said, put not trust in a single witness, but let there be three or at least two whose evidence shall be accredited by their past lives. Makes sense. You should have more than one witness, right? From women, let no evidence be accepted because of their levity and temerity of their sex. Now, I'm not sure what the word temerity means, but I bet it's patronizing. Um, (laughs) So we find that this is the context of what was happening in Jesus' day. And yet, despite the cultural norms and those limitations, these women were the first to be the witness of Jesus' resurrection. They were the first, and they didn't do that because I honestly don't think that they did that because that's what God was trying to maneuver. They are just the ones who cared enough to not give up. They didn't give up. They wanted to be close to Jesus. They wanted to care for him. They weren't done mourning him. While the other disciples had run away, they were hiding in fear, they returned to their old life, these women returned. That's why they received their privilege of here being at the first station of Eastertide. They hadn't finished mourning. And out of all the different stations that we'll see, all the different stations of the resurrection that we'll look, we'll look at at this Easter tide, this station is unique because it's in this one we actually don't find Jesus. We find the absence of Jesus. Verse 4 begins, While they were wondering about this, while the women were wondering about this, Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Jesus, he just wasn't there. Through the very end of Jesus' life, Jesus was rarely where people expected him. Jesus seemed to be perpetually surprising Surprising where he was found, whether it was at a sinner's house, whether it be in the company of lepers or alone in solitude or especially at a cross, Jesus was always surprising. He was surprisingly found in a tomb. He was most surprisingly because of how humble and low Jesus was willing to go how he got close to those who were downcast and forgotten. I love this quote. An old rabbi was once asked why so few people were finding God. He wisely replied that people are not willing to look that low. Jesus was born in a stable, and God is especially concerned for the poorest, the, low, the lowliest, the lost, and the neglected. But on this week, Jesus went even lower. As we recite in our Apostles' Creed, never would we ever expect Jesus to descend so low to be in the tomb in the very depths of death. But Easter, Easter also teaches us to expect Jesus not only that low, but also risen, raised, glorified, 
This is the unexpected story of Jesus's downward descent. It is only equally matched by the unexpected story of his rising, his absence from the tomb, not just his presence in the tomb. This is the beautiful paradox that we have with our Savior, with Jesus, that there's no death, there's no loss, there's no suffering or sorrow or loneliness that you will ever experience that Jesus hasn't encountered as well. He went all the way down in through the human experience so that you and I might know that we will have solidarity in our pain. But if that has been confirmed, we also should know that we will have solidarity with Jesus in his rising. That Jesus went so low so that all of us, all the broken pieces of our lives could be gathered and that we would be swept up with Jesus' rising. And as Jesus claimed us in the lowest places of our lives, that he will also claim us in his rising. Listen to the words of hope that these angels said to these women. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Death couldn't contain him. Sorrow and isolation would not be his final moments. Though Jesus is familiar with pain and rejection, shame and violence, that is not how Jesus' story ends, and it won't be how your story ends as well. Jesus is alive. And if Jesus was surprising through how he lived and how he died, shouldn't we expect Jesus to still be surprising us here today, where he's present with us here today. Present in unexpected ways, not found in places of religious prominence or domineering power. Jesus is not found with the company of the self-assured or the self-righteous. Don't be surprised if he, if he has vacated all the places where pride and superiority reign. Yet, for those who live in places of despair and hopelessness for those who know what it means to sit at a tomb and mourn deeply, for those who are the misfits and outcasts of the day, for those who are told that they are not viable witnesses for Jesus' good news, keep an eye out. He's sneaky. He's never where you expect him. And as we become more aware of this truth, I think we can get swept away in it get swept away in this good news. That's what the angels were trying to do. That's what they were trying to share. Verse six, he is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners and be crucified and on that third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Have you ever noticed what the angels' goal were? in this moment, it's not to tell them something that they didn't know. It was to help them remember. That's the work of Easter. Remember how he told you. And this section ends with, then they remembered his words. The witness of the angels and the work of Easter is to help us to be people who remember. Easter tied in many ways is a season of remembering, of living into and pressing into the promises and the claims that we have from Jesus. I believe one of the greatest challenges we have as being people is the challenges of being forgetful. Like we are all incredibly aware of the challenges and the pitfalls of being forgetful, right? 
All right, so to demonstrate, I want to play a little game. I'm going to call three of you up here, and then I'm going to have a couple people stand up in, in the room, and you have to tell me if you know their name, okay? Who wants to play? <laughs> Maybe no one, right? Yeah. I've heard you guys out there in that hallway. I've heard you say, hey, you, look, look at you. Hey, buddy. Hey, girl, good to see you. You look so cute. Um, to be human is to be forgetful. But there is like a deeper issue with our forgetfulness. And it's our ability to forget the fundamental truths that should dictate our lives. We forget the deeper reality of our day. I feel like we're numbed out by just the relentless busyness of our days, the, the addiction we have to entertainment and to the disruptions. Thankfully, God has something to fight our forgetfulness. We have moments in time that can wake us up. Did you know that the ancient Greeks actually had two different terms for time? They had two different ways of talking about time, They're, and they were these words, chronos and keros. Chronos is the understanding that time is like this perpetual ticking. It's like this never-ceasing moving of time slowly going through life. It just happens, and there's nothing that you can do to stop it. But there's a different kind of time that they would hold, and that's this word keros. And keros is called deep time. These are the rare moments where it feels like time actually slows down, where our souls broaden, we open up, and we encounter a sense of wonder, and it feels like we enter into a different reality. Those are the chaos moments. I think the truth for our lives is we are well aware of chronos, and we are tragically unaware with the chaos moments that God wants to have for us. Moments where our souls can expand and wake up. Easter, friends, is the ultimate chaos moment. Easter is the moment when these women entered into a different reality and everything shifted, everything changed. A new world was opened up and they remembered. They could remember the things that Jesus promised, the things that Jesus shared. That's what I see in this image that Scott drew. I see this tomb that once held the end of the story, and then life explodes. This chaos moment takes place, and the fruit of this moment were that these women now, they could see differently. They had eyes to see everything in a different way, and they were able to remember. We, friends, we need to remember. We need to remember the words of Jesus and every single claim that Jesus gave for you and me. Easter teaches us that every word from Jesus' mouth will be true. Though the church might have let you down, though mentors or leaders seem to have been found with hidden agendas, Jesus, he never oversold his promises. Today, Easter, we need to remember that the claims of Jesus will be seen. They will be found in reality. These are the promises, these are the type of promises that we could claim with, through what Jesus said, that whoever comes to me, will, I will never drive away. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. I have told you this so that my joy could be in you and that your joy could be complete. 
Jesus promised, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus claimed this, that I will never leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I have come that you might have life and life to the fullest. And Jesus promised that if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. If only we could remember these promises. If only these would not just be ancient quotes from some person 2,000 years ago. If only Easter would teach us that this is something that we can shape our lives by. Easter won't allow us to read those quotes so shallowly because Easter wants to jar us awake. It slows down time. It convinces us that these promises are our future and our reality here and now. Don't let Easter be another holiday where we just rehearse the same thing like we did the year before and the year before that. Pause in this chaos moment. Breathe. Take it in. Because the empty tomb is making a claim, a claim that we should not forget, that one that should not be tamed by all the chronos of our days. The good news of Easter, the message of the angels, and what I'm trying to do now is to say this to you. Wake up. Remember, Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead We aren't practicing a religion. We're following a risen Savior. And he wants to resurrect every hope and every longing of your soul. He wants to meet you in the darkness and the pain and the death within your lives to release his resurrection power. Because hope is alive. Forgiveness is here. And you are claimed by a love that has defeated death and will do that every single time. Nothing can stop it, not sorrow or regret or failures, not the wicked systems of this world, no tragedy, no diagnosis, no wound can stop it. Jesus is alive and that changes everything. So friends, we can enter into Easter this season and allow Easter to wake us up once more. Remember, Christ is alive He is risen, and this surprising, sneaky, loving Savior is coming after you. We hope you found this message encouraging. If you would like to learn more about The Vine, get connected to our community, or contribute financially to The Vine's ministry, go to our website at thevineaustin.org.